Welcome to the Kalos Church Podcast. We're so honored that you're joining us today. The word Kalos is a poorly pronounced Greek word that means beautiful. And we believe here at Kalos that the words and the ways of Jesus are very beautiful. That's why each week we're bringing content to make known that beauty. So let's go ahead and jump right in to this last Sunday's sermon. I want you to imagine a sheep. You have a picture in your mind? Imagine a sheep. It has access to green grass. The sheep has access to water. It has access to safety. It is one of the sheep of the shepherd's pasture, this green field. But it gets lost, and eventually it can't find its way home. And so the wool on the sheep grows longer and longer and longer. And eventually there's an excess of 78 pounds of tattered wool on the sheep. It's covering the eyes. It's getting the sheep stuck in branches. It's being prone to danger because it's slow. It can't move as fast. There are little bugs that are getting infested in there. And now there's infections on the skin covered by 78 pounds of extra wool. Do you have the picture? Well, today, you don't have to imagine it because there is an actual sheep where this happened. Let me show you a picture of this overgrown, wool-covered sheep with an excess of 78 pounds of wool. How does a sheep end up like this? How does the sheep end up in a situation where it's overgrown, it's prone to infection, prone to death like this? It's because sheep naturally need to have their wool trimmed. And without the presence of the shepherd, it's in trouble. It needs help to be maintained. You know, in Psalm 103, the scripture says, Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. And so when we are followers of Jesus, when we place our faith in God, we become the sheep of his pasture, and the sheep of God know the good shepherd's voice, any sheep in the house of God today. We become sheep. We are following his lead. But the scriptures also say we sometimes choose our own path. We get lost. We don't want the care of our good shepherd. And so we end up overgrown. Isaiah 53 says, all of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. And so we end up with a heaviness of dead weight. We end up with a heaviness, with wool literally over our eyes, where we're lost, we're infected, we're heavy with the cares and the entanglement of the world. You know, my family came from the United States, from a country called Sri Lanka in the 1980s. They came as Hindus, and they entered America, and it was all brand new. And me growing up in this environment, I didn't really know about Jesus. And I I went through a a lifestyle and an upbringing of violence, death, and destruction in my life. In fact, my family, they know me as the devil child in the family. Anybody a devil child in your family? Or as uh, Amrita's family from Kansas would call me, a hellion. (laughs) Any hellions? Anybody call it? All perfect children growing up here. (laughs) 
Wow, just perfect. All right, I see you in the back. Thank you for your honesty. So I was that, I was that child. I, if my mom didn't make my cereal right, I would pour it on my own head. I said, oh, the cereal to milk portion is off. Try again, mom. I was that child. And I ended up being very violent. I got over 40 detentions my freshman year of high school for fights. I got in so many battles in my home. I, I, I destroyed stuff in my house. And I, I used to steal a lot. Any thieves in the house of God this morning? I used to, oh, man. And I, I remember around this time where everybody's trick-or-treating on Halloween. Uh, I, I would get bored going door-to-door to get candy. So as I got a little bit stronger, a little bit faster, a little bit wiser, I thought instead of going to doors to get one piece of candy, why don't I steal candy from the kids smaller than me? And now we'll see what the Lord will provide. And I would walk around with pillowcases of candy and an airsoft gun. I would walk around taking kids' pumpkin pails full of candy, and I'd bring it to my house. I was that guy. You did not want me influencing your family. I was that guy. But then I I got invited to a church by a beautiful girl, and this beautiful girl said, do you want to go to church with me? I said, you're a beautiful girl. I'll go anywhere with you. Are you kidding me? And so I went to church with her, And I I heard the message of Jesus. I heard the message of the gospel. And I said, I need this. My life is not okay. I need some help outside of myself. I need a fresh start. And something about the beauty of Jesus just captivated me. And I surrendered my whole life to him. And there's a transformation that took place in my heart. There's a transformation that took place in my mind. And I, I was a new creation. Anybody have that story today? You gave your life to Jesus and you became a new creation. But here's the problem. I was a new creation. I love Jesus. I called myself a Christian, but I still love stealing. I love the thrill of it, especially on Halloween, because God knows nothing tastes as good as free food. And when I stole the candy from those unsuspecting kids, I got a lot of free candy. See, I was a follower of Jesus. I was a new creation. I became a sheep in his pasture, but I still had some issues. I was alive, but I wasn't free. I was alive, but I still had wool that was growing over my eyes, and I was stuck, and I still needed a lot of help. Did you know that you can go to church, you can pray a prayer of salvation, and still have problems? Did you know that you can go to church, you can read your Bible, but you still got some issues? Some of us haven't been taught that. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. And I, I prayed this. I like this. But then I was like, I'm a new creation, but why do I still have some of my old habits? I'm a new creation, but why do I still have some of these same tendencies And these thoughts, what's going on here? Is there something wrong with me? And I began to, in church environments, feel like somewhat of an imposter. If people knew what I was thinking, they wouldn't want me to sing these worship songs next to them. If people knew what I was doing this last week, they wouldn't want me reading a Bible next to them. If people knew who I really was, they would be embarrassed that I called myself a Christian. Now, I began to develop something called imposter syndrome. Have you ever felt that? You feel like a fraud? What's the definition of imposter syndrome? 
Someone who feels they aren't as capable as others think and fears they'll be exposed as a fraud. You ever feel like an imposter? People knew what I was on the inside. They wouldn't believe any of this costume that I wear on the outside. Let me show you a picture of an imposter syndrome support group. They're all gathering to get support, and this guy feels like, I don't belong here in the imposter syndrome support group. Doesn't feel like he belongs anywhere. Doesn't feel like he belongs in church. Doesn't feel like he belongs in the family. Feels like he's Maribel. Everybody has a gift but him in Encanto. Feels like, what is wrong with me? I thought I would be a new creation. I thought I would be different. And we as a people, as a society, we love comparing our behind the scenes with everybody else's highlight reels. And it makes us feel like imposters, like something is wrong with us. And I, I, remember, I, I, I wonder if that's why, uh, you know, this story I'm about to share is so relevant for us today. I wonder if this imposter syndrome is how a character named Zacchaeus in the scripture felt. You see, Zacchaeus, he, he had a, a dual identity, and I want to read about it in Luke 19. In verse 19 of chapter 19, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. Verse 2, there was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree besides the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. Now Zacchaeus, which in the Hebrew means pure. So this man's name is pure, but he is anything but pure to the people in this day. He was a, a Jewish man, but he was working for the Roman Empire. And he collected taxes on behalf of this oppressive military force that had taken over the Jewish people. And though he was a Jewish man with the name Purity, people would have seen him and say, you're compromising to go with the winning, oppressive government. And the scripture says not only was he the chief tax collector, he had power, but he had become very rich. How did he become very rich? Because he was stealing from his own people. A little bit historical context here. Back in the days of Jesus, when this scripture was written, tax collectors and the IRS were not very popular. It was a totally different time that I'm sure none of us can relate to. IRS, if you're listening, we love you very much. And we are taking care of everything. And so he had become very rich by collecting taxes from the Jewish people on behalf of the Romans, but maybe he took a little bit extra. Maybe he grabbed a little bit more than he was supposed to be. And he probably had this reputation of not pure, like his name suggested, but a, a betrayer. He would have been called an Uncle Tom. He would have been called a thief. He would have been called someone that was not pure. And so he hears that Jesus is coming to town, and he, he's so short. So he runs down the path, and he finds this tree. And he can't see Jesus because he was too short. And I, I relate to that so much because it's like, in my life, I, yes, I gave my life to Jesus, but uh, do you ever feel like you're trying to find Jesus in your life? You're trying to find Jesus in your lifestyle. You're trying to find Jesus in your heart, but you just come up short. You're like, I, I just, 
I have this ideal of what it looks like to be a good person. I have this idea of what it means to follow Jesus, but I just come up short. I mean, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. He just came up short. He was rich, but he came up short. He was powerful, but he came up short. He had a great house, but he came up short. He maybe had a great family, but he came up short. He just had all these things going for him, but he came up short. Everything looked great on the outside, but he was dealing with the sickness. Everything looked great on the outside, but he was dealing with great insecurity. Everything looked wonderful on the outside, but he felt like an imposter. He just came up short. But then Jesus, something amazing happens in this story because Before the foundation of this man's life, someone planted a tree. And that tree grew. And he was able to climb that tree to see Jesus. And I think that this tree is a symbol of the cross. We all come up short, but thank God Jesus died on the cross for all the areas we come up short. He helped us. He saved us. He gave us a a new plan. When we were coming up short, he allowed us to climb greater heights so that we could see what Jesus is doing. And so he climbs up this tree, and something beautiful happens. The story doesn't end there. It says in verse 5, when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. When you're coming up short, did you know that Jesus knows your name? Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. They grumbled. So Jesus, he calls Zacchaeus down from this tree. And Zacchaeus, he, he probably felt like an imposter, a betrayer. But Jesus, this holy person, says, I'm coming over to your house. You don't have time, Zacchaeus, to Febreze the... Couch cushions, God knows I love Febreze. You don't have time to take your dirty clothes and put them in the secret room that none of your guests can go into? Who has a secret room? Where you hide, don't you liars. Oh no, there's guests coming over. Let's put all of our junk in the room. You didn't have time to light a candle, Clorox the toilet seats. He didn't have time to put out the pumpkin spice aroma. He didn't have time to put out the decorations and hide the mail that's scattered all over the kitchen table. He didn't have time. Jesus said, I'm photobombing your life. (laughs) I'm coming over. I'm inviting myself over. Anybody here have friends that invite themselves over? I didn't give you an invitation, but I know you're coming over. (laughs) Glory to God. Because Jesus wanted to to see him in his real life. You know, many of us, we made a a decision to follow Jesus in public. We came to church. We prayed a prayer. We were moved by the music. We were moved by the scripture, the public teaching of the word. And we we began this this worship and this demonstration of following Jesus public. But I want to let you know, Jesus doesn't want a relationship with you just in public. He wants to enter your house. And so Jesus says, I'm coming to your house. Zacchaeus didn't have time to clean up. And I I just want to take a moment to say this. A lot of uh, attacks and judgment against the church is this. I, I don't go to church because church is just filled with hypocrites. 
I don't go to church because uh, the people there aren't what they seem to be. And I, I wonder if that's what people were thinking about Zacchaeus. Hey, Jesus, why are you hanging out with this tax collector? Do you know who he really is? If you knew who he was, you wouldn't spend any time with him. And it says that the religious people around Jesus began to grumble. Why are you hanging out with this sinner? Why are you hanging out with this imposter? Why are you spending any time with him? And Jesus, he didn't let those voices distract him. He said, Zacchaeus, I have to eat at your house. He could have called anybody, but he said, I have to go to your house. You know what my prayer is for Kalos Church? I pray that Kalos Church is filled with hypocrites. I pray that Kalos Church is filled with broken people who feel like imposters. I pray that Kalos Church, this community, is filled with people who need hope, help, and healing. Because I, I think we miss the heart of Jesus when our churches act more like museums filled with perfect antiques than hospitals for the broken. And so if you're like Zacchaeus and you feel like an imposter, you feel like you've betrayed your people, you feel like you've come up short, what I have to say to you is this, welcome to the house of God. Jesus wants a meal with you. Jesus wants to spend some time with you. I pray that this house is filled with hypocrites. And what happens when Jesus enters the house of Zacchaeus? He begins to change. In verse 8, meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor. Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true, a true, not an imposter, not a hypocrite, a true son of Abraham which meant he was following the law. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. And I want you to notice that Zacchaeus had this public encounter with Jesus. Jesus goes into his private affairs in his home. But then when he encounters Jesus, he begins again to have a public transformation. So he goes from public to private to public where he says, hey, I've had an encounter with Jesus, and this moment demands I change my ways. My encounter with Jesus demands that I change my actions and my habits. If I've stolen from someone, I'm going to give them back their money. And in fact, I'm going to give half my wealth to the poor. God knows you need to have an encounter with Jesus to give half of your money to the poor. And he has this amazing moment. I believe it's a technical term, a theological term. What he's experiencing is he's experiencing a moment called sanctification. Have you ever heard of that term, sanctification? Last week, we talked about justification. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, he absorbed the penalty of death and sin that we all gained by falling short of the glory of God. And that was justification. That means when God sees us, he doesn't see us as sinners. He sees us as we are in Christ, that we are clothed in Christ. We are new creations. Sanctification, though, is a process of becoming like Jesus. Let me give you an example. Do you remember Polaroid cameras? You take a picture with your Polaroid. You see an image, 
And then it prints out a small physical paper, and then it's black. But over time, the colors begin to emerge. And you start to see uh, shapes and faces and bodies. And then there's a final picture, and you're like, oh, that's what the, the original photographer, the creator of this picture, saw all along. Well, this is a picture of our faith. Jesus is the camera person. He takes a picture of you on this Polaroid device, and he sees the perfect image of who you are, who you really are, and then the picture prints out, but it's marred with darkness. The true image isn't there. And so Jesus sees this, and there's a delay to the promise of what he already saw. But you know what he does? He takes this paper, this printed photograph, and he begins to shake it, shake, shake, shake it like a Polaroid. He takes this image, and he shakes it, shakes it like a Polaroid. Come on. He begins to shake, shake it, shake it like a Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> and then the image of what God saw all along begins to develop. So that picture he saw was justification. We are clothed with Christ. But the picture we become is sanctification. And I think this explains some of the disconnect we feel in our lives. I gave my life to Jesus. I had an encounter with him on the tree. He said, I want to come into your house, but I still have some issues. What's wrong with me? It's because, yes, we've been justified, but we need to be sanctified. We need this. And so we don't work for salvation, but salvation does a work in us. Let me say that again. We don't work for salvation, but salvation does a work in us. And if you don't think the gospel should change you, you have changed the gospel. It transforms us from the inside out. Let me give another definition. Justification saves us from the penalty of sin. Sanctification frees us from the power of sin. Glorification keeps us from the presence of sin. Hebrews 10, 14 says, For by one sacrifice on the cross, he has made perfect. So we've been made perfect forever, those who are being made holy. So are we perfect or holy? Are we perfect or are we becoming holy? Yes. We have been made perfect, but we're also being made holy. 1 John 3, Beloved, now we are children of God. Any children of God here? Now we are children of God. Now. And it has not yet been revealed in what we shall be. It's a process, what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall in the future be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. So we've been made pure, but we're still called to purify ourselves in Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Yes, we are free, and we all with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory and are, say this word with me, being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And so if you feel like an imposter, the good news of the gospel is we are all a work in progress. I am a work 
in progress. I have never graduated from needing Jesus. I have never graduated from needing Jesus, and neither will you. And so, uh, you know, I, I made a commitment to marry my wife, Amritha, 10 years ago. And sometimes when people get married, they, they say something dumb, maybe demonic. They don't realize it's demonic. They'll say something like this, I hope you never change. I'm like, don't you pray that prayer. That is a curse. Because Amritha, she knows I needed to change. <laughs> she knows I, I needed to grow up. She knows I, I needed some help when I got married. Was that, I committed to her, yes, but that commitment created an environment for me to grow up. I think a lot of us are waiting to, to get married until we're perfect, but can I just give you a free relationship advice moment right now? Marriage grows you up. The commitment, the love, that's going to grow you up. So if you've been dating forever, come on, grow up. Anybody got an amen for that message today? It's time to grow up. Because we're, we're a work in progress. And the, the dynamics of our relationship has changed because of the safety of that relationship. I mean, I mean when we were first dating, the texts were like, hey, honey, I don't, I don't feel very well. But now it's like, hey, honey, I just went diarrhea six times today. And I just ran out of toilet paper. Can you go grab it for me? Anybody know what I'm talking about? The dynamics change. Tori knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's a bold hand raise back there. <laughs> Double hand for the Lord. Come on, somebody. <laughs> but it, it changes us. We're work in progress. And because of that, we need a good shepherd, not just to make us a sheep, but to, to maintain us. Otherwise, there's going to be wool that's covered over our eyes. Otherwise, we're going to get heavy with the entanglements of the world. We're going to get caught up with addictions and habits and thoughts that are just surrounding us with death. And so that's what the good shepherd does for us. We never graduate from needing Jesus. And so, yeah, we become sheep, but we still need help. And I, I want to show you another picture of the same sheep. Uh, this sheep, he, uh, he, he was shorn. And this is the same one we saw at the beginning of this message. This is 78 pounds lighter. Uh, did he ever lose his status of being a sheep? No. But was he surrounded by death and heaviness and a weight that he couldn't help himself with? Yes. In the same way, yeah, we're sheep, but we, we never graduate from needing a shepherd. We need to have hard conversations with the Lord. We need to have hard conversations with our church community to help us in the process of being sanctified. I gave my life to Jesus, but I still had old habits, and I had pastors, and I had Bible verses, and I had processes that helped me to, to, to be delivered from the joy and the thrill of stealing. I had people that helped me. I used to be so violent. I remember I used to pin my, my sister on the ground and, and just punch her in the face. I do the same thing to my own mother. I, I was just a mess. I, I was getting so many detentions and suspensions. And I, I mean, it was just, my life was overgrown, even though I'd made a commitment to read the Bible, follow Jesus. But I was just messed up. And for so long, I thought, there's just something seriously wrong with me. It's because I thought I graduated from needing the good shepherd to take care of my soul. 
But I, I, I was encouraged to just lean into Jesus. And I, I'm telling you what, he began to do heart surgery on me. He began to cut away addictions in my life. He began to, to cut off the wool of these temptations that I just, I, I gave into all the time. And uh, there are some things in my life when I became a Christian in those early years, I, I was immediately transformed in. I used to be so violent. I don't struggle with that at all. In fact, Amritha just said to me, I can't even imagine you being violent and this angry person that your family says you would be. That was delivered. But other things, man, I'm a work in progress. I'm, a, I'm still, I'm a pastor, but I'm still working through some very serious things. And that's just a reminder for you not to worship me, worship Jesus, because it's just a matter of time before I let you down. So don't put your hope in me because I, I am a sheep that just needs a shepherd and I'm cut every single day by the Holy Spirit who's guiding me and shaping me and forming me. I, I, I needed it. But my, my testimony is this. People can change in the hands of our Father. You might think, oh, people don't change. They're just better at disguising who they really are. But I am living proof that people change. My family, since they saw my transformation, they've all decided to become Christians. They've all decided to become followers of Jesus because they saw what the good shepherd did for my soul. And so I just want to proclaim to you that salvation isn't the end goal of our lives. It's the starting line. You can't see Jesus without being changed. Salvation is a free gift, but sanctification costs you everything. Charles Spurgeon says, if he gives, if he gives you the grace to make you believe, he will give you the grace to live a holy life afterward. You can do this. You can live for God. You can be a godly husband. You can be a godly wife. You can be a godly friend. You can be a godly worker. You can be someone that is taken care of by the good shepherd. If only you would get on that tree, get in the path of God, Receive the invitation to have him into your house, but say, oh, the gospel demands a transformation. And so if I've stolen from people, I'll give them money back. If I've wronged anybody, I'll make restitution. Because this faith isn't just on the inside. It transforms me from the inside to the outside. Amen. And so let's take a moment and bow our heads before the Lord. And let's invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Oh God, we invite you into our homes. We invite you into our hearts. And just like Zacchaeus, when he had an encounter with you, Jesus, he realized that he needed to make some changes. He had some wool that was covering his eyes. He had some wool that was weighing him down. He had some wool that left him vulnerable. And he decided to have it cut off. And Lord, I pray that even now, Holy Spirit, you speak to us. Are there any wicked ways inside of us, on us, that need some sanctification? I don't want this to just be a speech. I don't want this to just be wise and persuasive words, but we need the power of the Spirit of God right now. Would you ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you, is there any wickedness inside of me? Is there any wool on me? Is there something that needs to change because I've wronged people as individuals? As a society, are there some changes the Spirit of God is calling us to make? Let's just listen. 
Let's listen to the Spirit of God speaking to us in our hearts, in our minds. How many of you feel like the Lord's revealing some changes you need to make? Would you just nod your head? Amen, amen. Heads all over the room. Well, if the Lord gave you the grace to believe, he can give you the grace to change. So, Lord, I pray that blessing over all of your sheep here. I pray that we would be conformed into the image of your son, Jesus Christ, that we would not just be saved by you, but we would become like you. We pray in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Can we give Jesus a round of applause? Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for the Kalos Church Podcast. Hey, if you feel comfortable, we would love to see you and meet you in person. We meet at 945 and 1130 every Sunday at the Hilton Garden Inn in downtown Bellevue. If you want to join us, head to www.kalos.church. You can get all the information you need and sign up so we can make sure there's a safe place for you to come and experience the beauty of Jesus with you. We'll see you next time.